Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is coming out of All-Star Weekend hot. Every day, they're running a zero management fee fantasy basketball contest. That means Yahoo is making nothing on this contest and equals better odds for you to win. One in five people who play will at least double their entry fee. Tired of playing against people with 150 entries? Well, there's a limit of 10 entries per person, so don't miss these contests. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to play. Use promo code YAHOO25 when you make your first deposit for $25 in free play. Basketball is very good. The Wizards underpaid John Wall. AD should re-sign with the Pelicans. The Nets actually won the Celtics trade. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. I'm Justin Verrier and joining me today, special guest from the internet, Haley O'Shaughnessy. (laughs) And also, Paolo Getty. What's up? I kind of want to start doing this in the like the SNL voice. You know how they always do those intros? Sure. Musical guest. Bobby Wagner. That wow. is pretty good. That's really yeah. good. I, I th- knew exactly what you were talking about right away. Yeah, I put too good. much thought into this. I think it's, it's the only <laughs> takeaway there. Oh, yeah, did you practice that? Uh, in my head, yeah. Okay. That was good. Not in front of the mirror yet, but we, we can do that later. Uh, guys, basketball, it's happening still in the regular season. We're, we're winding down here. What is it, about a month left to go? April 10th, I believe. About. Is the end of the season. But there's still some drama going on. We still can't get rid of the Lakers, even as they slowly descend into chaos. Uh, I like want statistic, like percentage-wise, we have gotten rid of yeah. the Lakers. <laughs> right. But in all conversational other facets, wise, yeah, we yeah. cannot get rid of the Lakers. They're just the gift that keeps on giving. It has right. been quite the season. <laughs> right. I want to talk about last night. Because last night was weird. And I said this to Paolo before we got on. It was such an awkward event. Obviously, LeBron uh, passed Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list for fourth, I believe. It just didn't seem like anybody cared, at least from watching from afar. Paolo, you were there. What was it like actually in the arena? It was very, it was very strange in that just minutes ago when the first quarter ended, they were booing the team because they were like down already like 17 <laughs> or 20. So they, right. it was incredible how quickly they shifted from booing the team for missing free throws or like just being down in general to, oh, right, we're going to stand up and cheer for LeBron because he just passed Michael Jordan on the point. Like mm-hmm. it, it happened, it didn't happen like right after each other, but it happened so closely together that like the the awkwardness was felt and also, I think that there was a, it was tweeted out that it was a league decision not to stop the game per se, even though they kind of did pause a little bit. But it was so. I also thought that the, the way in which he got it was very emblematic, which was him driving to the basket, getting fouled, and making the shot. And it's and <laughs> him like so you saw him and he, you sort of see him like you can see the weight on him and the weight of like not just passing Jordan, which obviously he raved about afterward and whatnot, but also just like of what this season has been like for mm-hmm. him. Uh, and yeah, it was just awkward. I mean, like it's, it's, a, it was very, I think it was louder and like, it was a, there was a good cheer than maybe some people are making it out to be, but it was awkward in that it was sort of disjointed and it did feel like it could have been a bigger deal. Yeah. It said, it spoke to, uh, to me just like the difference between LeBron and the Lakers, this kind of right. division that still hasn't really like that gap has not been closed where LeBron still feels like he's a mercenary. 
Like, and that mm-hmm. he's almost playing on the team almost as if it were an all-star team where he just puts on the jersey and then then goes home afterward. Uh, I think in particular, I've been struck by how much Los Angeles, like in the city, nobody seems to care. I think we all anticipated that this would just be a big citywide thing where it would just almost change like not our daily lives, but you would see it pretty often I, I earlier before the season. You mean LeBron being on the team in general? Yeah, just that there would be a buzz that you would be talking about it with people. Uh, Powell wrote that thing before the season just about how there was all this graffiti that went up around the city, but I passed by the, one of those things every day on Melrose, yeah. and there's now graffiti within the numbers oh, really? of LeBron that I guess that guy never filled the numbers. Yeah. It's just... Is I don't that know. good graffiti or anti-LeBron graffiti? I think it's just graffiti. It's just graffiti. Yeah, I don't think it was making a statement. It was the more art. like Bob. It's <laughs> 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 just somebody's yeah. name. Shouts to Bob. <laughs> Shouts to Bob. <laughs> I don't know. It's just... It just it just feels disjointed, I guess. Well, you know, the Lakers are very much an NBA establishment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. LeBron is just as much an NBA establishment. Mm-hmm. And I think that the discord between their lack of success and him being the biggest factor for their success has, I, I think that that also harms that, you know, the Lakers fans' ability to celebrate something like this, something like him passing Jordan on the all-time scoring list. But it's also just not their accomplishment. It doesn't feel like their accomplishment. You know, whereas if it was Kobe, it would feel like their accomplishment because Kobe is theirs. LeBron is very much his own person, has always been his own person. He's That's been the truth since he went to Miami. Mm -hmm. And I think that it just doesn't feel like any fan base can have ownership over this, except for the fan base that he's created, that he's done the best job of since, I mean, I wasn't around, you know, in Jordan's prime, but his fan base is literally just LeBron fans. And he has created this entire army of people throughout his career who will follow him wherever. Right. I followed in Miami. I followed him back to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. I'm still a LeBron fan, you know, with him here in LA. Same, yeah. So it's just very much like for the Lakers fans, this is not theirs. This is his first year here. He has not gone well. It's, there's been a lot of turbulence. And on top of that, like, this guy is the most important factor for whether or not your team is successful. Mm -hmm. And not only on the court, it seems like he's had a hand in some of the things off the court that have gone wrong. That's just part of what we assign to LeBron is this extra pressure and almost blame. You know, we've talked about it on here before. Like, we all just kind of accept that he had some hand in the free agency, Um, you know, like, process and and— opinions on like who they signed we kind of all just assume that right and we mm-hmm. really i mean he's never talked about that he's never been like i'm the one who seeks out these guys or we go magic and i go over it together <laughs> yeah we all kind of you know give sure. him some of that blame too so off the court as well he's just dealing with a lot of pressure from lakers fans and so i think that this accomplishment has been totally unappreciated mm-hmm. and that hurts but i mean in history won't remember History will probably remember it as a weird game, but they won't remember it specifically as like not as big of a deal. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like a rental car, if you will, where you're like <laughs> you need it for you have you you get it for a purpose, but like if it like crosses some sort of like mileage threshold, it's not it's not <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like I remember like when my car like that I had like had it for a while like crossed some like mileage threshold, and it was like 
it was kind of cool. It was like, oh, like finally got to like a hundred thousand miles or whatever, right? Did and you it, pull to the side of the road? Yeah, and, and took a and picture of the odometer and the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, like, you. you know what I'm saying? Like this is like it's like they're renting something, right? They're renting an experience for a very utilitarian purpose, which is to get a title again or even to be relevant again. And obviously, if like Lonzo or Kuzma or Brandon Ingram end up getting some sort of you know, milestone, which they're not, they're too young in their career to do, but just that's a different experience because the players were there from the beginning. You know, it's kind of like how in, you know, with, with the Sixers in the process, they're going to love and be to the death more so than any of the guys who eventually come in and put them over the top. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they put the graphic up at a certain point where I think the top four scorers all time now have had Lakers stints. And now one of them was Carl Malone, who did, I believe just the single year, with the Lakers when they made that last push with the Kobe and, uh, excuse me, the Kobe and Shaq um, pairing. I think LeBron right now is closer to a Malone than any of those other luminaries where sure. it's, it just feels like he's passing through, to, mm-hmm. to your point. Uh, it, it felt very much like a 2019 experience. It just <laughs> feels like, and we've been talking about this around the office, how LeBron is projecting one thing via his social media and another thing, like, actually on the court and the actual results don't match up. There's just like this, what LeBron wants to project to the world not, isn't necessarily truth. It's almost like he is an influencer now. I, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, it is much more positive than what's actually going on. He is posting a lot of his individual accomplishments. Most notably, he's posted two after losses. One was the Pacers loss, which was the worst loss in his 16 career season. They lost by 42, the Pacers, and that's when he... I think became the only player to be top 10 in assists and points point totals over his career. Um but I also get it. I feel bad for him. Like you've worked this for this your entire career. You are hitting these milestones at 34. You're still very much like at full strength. Maybe we'll say this season he took a half a mini tiny step back, right? Because of the groin injury and you know there's even some speculation about whether he's fully healthy now, but he's still completely going and he's passing all these people on these lists. It's He's doing the same thing he's always done in his career, which is blow expectations out of the water at the earliest age. You know, we've, we usually ever see it and he can't post an Instagram because the Lakers, <laughs> because he's, because he's not winning and he's sure. got Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee and three young dudes by his side. I here's feel the thing, here's the thing. terrible for I, me because of that. Okay, so he can do whatever. I don't, I, personally, I don't care what he does on like social media. He can do whatever he wants. But at the same time, this was a choice he made. Like he did choose to come to the Lakers. He did choose to have that team around him to a certain extent because all the reports after free agency were that him and Magic had like sort of like come to this, not agreement, but just this, this is what the team was going to look like. And, you know, I'm not saying it's his fault because he's still like, averaging a near triple triple double but like it, it there is some sort of thing where like this is sort of the bed you you made for yourself and now you're, you're unfortunately like laying in the worst possible version of it which is unfortunate because it's injuries it's you know uh suspensions even at the beginning of the season or whatever but like the the given the whole ad saga and all of that like it, it is sort of what you created no, that's true i mean you did sign on to a team like players should think about the front office when they're signing or re-signing with the team. And he basically signed on with two guys who have no front office experience. Yeah, he kind of always seems to want it both ways. He wants to, like, he wants all the accolades 
Uh, and he kind of wants to use the Lakers as a platform for various reasons. But at the same time, like he's treating them like a vessel. And mm-hmm. as a result, they went out and only signed one-year deals. And it seems like at the very least, based on the reporting, that he had some influence on like what types of guys they were looking for. Maybe he didn't at specifically ask for JaVale McGee, although I'm pretty sure he went out and called Lance mm-hmm. Stevenson. Sure. Uh, so it's kind of like he he always finds a way to to distance himself from the bad stuff and only promote the mm-hmm. good stuff, which I guess is what's leading me to the, the influencer stuff. Right. I, I think that's kind of fascinating, though, the, the, the point about how he's using the Lakers as a vessel, because that's, I think, what also gets at the heart of the, the disconnect that we saw last night between the fan base and him. Because the Lakers are an entity, like you said. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they have so much history behind their team and so much legacy that clashing with a, an, another person of that level of legacy and of, of, of that weight is making this kind of the stalemate where LeBron's doing his own thing and the fans are like, well, you know, if we were winning, we'd feel we'd probably feel different and we adopt you quicker and whatever. But there is a weird sort of like gap within that 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 that's creating I think this awkward like vibe if you will and I plus like LA like they're only going to root for people who win like this is how the they there are the yeah. hardcore fans which there will always be in like shouts of them and then they're the Clippers fans for, <laughs> but for the most part you know if they're if they're winning things are well if not then you know I was thinking about something that we talked about a little bit yesterday and how Everything, we all just assume that LeBron, because he's LeBron, will take them over their top and exceed expectations, and he has on an individual level. But I do wonder if this is maybe the end of things for like his career, and we just haven't come to accept it yet. Uh, no, I've been dreading that. I like I'll yeah, think about that in like moments when I'm not expecting anything about it, and it will just like fuck up the next like 15 minutes because <laughs> that LeBron is like yes perishing before eyes. I, it honestly is, it is kind of like, like watching it happen I, I honestly explained it to my dad the other day like it's when you find out your parents aren't superheroes oh aren't perfect mm-hmm. it really is like I this guy has shown me like the greatest athletic feats I've ever seen in my life and one of those feats is continuing this elite level of play well into his 30s. I mean, for a basketball player, well into his 30s. He's mm-hmm. 34. Yeah. And Being 30 isn't a bad thing. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. We're talking strictly in terms of basketball performance. Right. But I I think that that's what we're seeing. I just think that you you he simply cannot carry a team in the same way because of a number of things. One of those I don't think we talk about nearly enough is the fact that he's in the Western Conference. If he was in the Eastern Conference, I think this would have been a completely different season. I think it would have yeah. been been practically identical to the Cavs seasons that well, he had part, the last. I, I do wonder, should we hold that against him, though? The fact that... But that's what Paul's saying, is he chose that. If he's in the Western Conference and he can't hang, that's like that's a pretty bad mark because he it is, is a tough look. I but what I will say is that the... Com- he's hanging. He's the freaking <laughs> last fingernail on the edge of the cliff and everyone <laughs> look, else is underneath him. I, I'm just saying, I think the point is that... Um, it's hard to say, should we, you know, put it on him that he switches conference and doesn't make it. But I think there, there's, it's a very weird season, partly by his own doing, but partly, you know, the groin injury. Like, I don't think we can sort of just take that out of the equation and compare, you know, LeBron with this Lakers roster and LeBron with the Cavaliers roster last year, which is not great either, you know. Uh, I think the injuries to all the young guys, like last night, they're like, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Kuzma were all out. Like, well, would all those guys be out if they were making like a legitimate playoff push? You think? 
What do you mean? I mean, like at this point in the season, I think people are a little more lax with what is an injury. Like yeah, Kuzma, like yeah. maybe he'd miss a game, but he'll probably sure. be like out for no, the rest of the season point. sort of yeah, thing. that's a good point. But I'm just saying, like, I think that there were so many, like literally this was a season for help, not just for LeBron, but for the Lakers. And I think that should factor in. I, yeah. think, I think that's fair, but I do think part of being like a, a franchise and a general manager is like assessing the risk. Totally. And like, cr- like creating some sort of injury profile. And the thing we were saying going into the season was the pace plus Rajan Rondo, his age, LeBron's age, some of the other veterans, plus like the injury uh, just scares that Lonzo has had throughout his career. There was yeah. a lot of risk here and it just seems like the dice always came up against them. Plus the amount of time LeBron had been on the court the year before. This guy played the most minutes of any NBA player last season. Yeah. At 33 and in the playoffs. Right. In a full playoffs. So it took a heroic feat just to get the Cavs to where they were last year. You can't expect that to continue. It's interesting. I wonder what would have changed this season the most. So if we took out, if we like Mad Lib the Lakers and we took out like one thing and switched in something else, maybe a more experienced coach, maybe a front office that put its foot down. Or a bench. I'm wondering, Honestly, like, I think it would be the groin injury because at that time they were actually looking pretty good. Yeah, like they so were. I uh, they last were playing night when well. He was out. Yeah. When when he went down on Christmas, they were six mm-hmm. in the standings. And, yeah, they were fine. They were. They, they, they were, were solid. They were going to end up right there. If if, if, right if there's there no injury have, and you replicate the 82 games that he played last season, I think even with all the other injuries, like I think they they make the playoffs. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, injury, I mean, if we take out all the injuries too, like Lonzo's sure, especially. Sure, of course, yes. I think it's something that I was uh, listening, when I was listening to the broadcast yesterday, I don't think we talk enough about how the things that now we take for granted all of a sudden from the Lakers, like we're, we're no longer in awe of Lonzo's defense, mm-hmm. which is like, it, I mean— fine because it's been a while since we've realized that like he can be a, a good help on defense but at the same time all of a sudden that is like the most important thing for their defense you know the oh, announcers yeah. are talking like it's yeah, make or break which is like whereas like his rookie season we weren't even sure he could play defense it's been a really good like past month for Lonzo Ball I feel like he's made out the best from this like terrible stretch yeah, that they're having because sure. it realized like what like it's hard to quantify like how he impacts a game but it does feel like yes. he has been missed. And yes. I think that's big going forward, especially if you're trying to determine which of these guys you're going to ultimately get rid of. Because you're probably going to get rid of some of them at some point for right. a star player. Yeah. I mean, I think that like LeBron and Rondo on the court is like a minus, I don't even know what, but it's not great. And so like imagine just putting Rondo, I mean, Lonzo in the Rondo role more or giving more of those minutes and it changes a lot of things, I think. And, and Lonzo and LeBron were playing really well off each other. So Can we talk about Rondo for a second? How <laughs> sure. our guy decided once he checked out of the game to sit closer to 2 Chains than to Luke Walton or our guy Mo Wagner. Yeah, but 2 Chains gave LeBron... A chain, like, wouldn't you want to be near him just in case? Like, he, <laughs> he was had a next one. Like, <laughs> Look at this. He wasn't sure. A third chain. I was wondering, like, what would be harder for me to accomplish? Hitting over 32,000 points in a WNBA career that I haven't started yet, or like making <laughs> enough money to one day afford one of those chains? And I still haven't decided. But <laughs> I think the two chains, if you're <laughs> out there, <laughs> if you're a group chat fan, <laughs> if you have three chains, <laughs> tell you. me what it takes. For what it's worth, Rondo Rondo says that he has done that in other games this season. Like he likes, he apparently likes sitting in the courtside seats. Which what? Is, <laughs> what does that mean? You're already courtside. <laughs> yeah, I just like I guess the fan courtside. I'm is like I'm not out here trying to be defended. 
He says when they're open that he likes to go and set them. Because he likes the perspective. I have no idea. I'm not. I'm. I'm just a messenger here. I don't. I don't. It's a weird thing. I just just feel like I needed to say that because it was a quote that he had yesterday. I have to say the camera work by ESPN was particularly good there because you could just hear the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song (laughs) being played as they zoomed out to get like the broad view of what was happening. I don't know. Rondo does have a way of making a point without verbalizing it and sure it, it did seem like that but i guess if he's done this before it just yeah. makes it just brings up the point like why is he doing this to begin with actually remember that one picture where lebron is like removed from the team sure that was during that, the 42 point loss right. to the pacers rondo was sitting in one of the courts that's <laughs> yeah are you serious yeah I, yeah somebody threw it out last night and i you, you saw how it he's like on the on the other side of the bench maybe one of these young lakers just has like terrible bo <laughs> wow. Like just awful. Oh, you know, they're young. Like was, young guys yeah. and their hygiene. They don't really have it figured out yet. Um <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I, I wouldn't brought to you by old spice. <laughs> <laughs> uh here's my conspiracy theory. Let's go. Rondo is secretly laying the groundwork to ultimately take over as head coach. Wow. I cannot wait for when Rondo's a coach. I think he's really great. <laughs> I, th- I think serious, he's going to be I one think eventually. He has just the right amount of, um, like, constant yeah. resentment, but also <laughs> yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. very For encouraging. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> and like, <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is kind of real. Um, um, but it does seem like at yeah. some point we're going to have to I mean, replace Luke Wallen. <laughs> at the beginning of the season, like when there was still hope and people were happy, like Rondo was like up from his seat and like sort of coaching guys on the floor. So yeah, there you go. Coach on the floor. Yeah. That's, that's great. But uh, do we think, well, I guess we don't think that Rondo's going to be a good coach for the Lakers next season, but do we think perhaps someone else would do a better job with the Lakers than Luke Walton has done? What do you mean? Yeah, of course. I don't know if that's true. Luke Walton is He's a nice guy. No, I like no. him. <laughs> I'm not going to be like the good guy. If it takes 15 seconds to explain their offense, like, no. No, they don't have, like, next. he's just, he's complete, like, like much, much like the young players on the team, he has had trouble, like, adjusting to what has happened when you add LeBron to a team and all that comes with and that. And you wonder how assertive he would be if he was going into his third year with a coach and he didn't have the lights, you know, that follow sure. having LeBron James and then actually having LeBron James in the huddle. Mm-hmm. and Rondo to some extent. Um, but yeah, I just, it's not going to happen for him here. He needs to go coach a young up and another young up and coming team and sort of like, cause he, he would do well with that. He works well with the, with young players. It's just the situation like went like 80 miles an hour and he was still trying to go like 35, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, it's not going to work. Yeah. If, he was a good coach for last year's Lakers. He's just not particularly suited, probably, to coach a LeBron team. But I do think, as we're looking at potential like replacements, I often find that they should find a guy who can satisfy the young players more than LeBron. Because if we're just saying that LeBron is this constant and you can kind of stick him into any situation, I think what they actually need is just better player development. I think what they need is guys yeah. who could like find the best in Kyle Kuzma, maybe activate him a little bit more on defense to say to Alonzo Ball, like, this is how we're going to use you in unique and creative ways. I don't know. I, I often hire, maybe hire a shooting coach. Even <laughs> maybe that would help. <laughs> I, it it feels almost like you need like the next spread offense and like the Sean McVay type rather than some sort of hard nosed Tom Thibodeau type. Yeah, you're almost 
you almost sort of need like the dream coach made in a lab that can do that with the young guys, but also like have the respect from LeBron, you know? Right. And that's, I don't know who that is. Do we think that Jason Kidd, because he's the guy uh, that keeps no, getting I brought up, be would disaster. be that? Uh, I think that'd be a disaster. I will say, out of the options that have been floated out there, he's not as bad as some op- other options. He's really not. Like, I wrote about this, all the names that have been mentioned and, or just, you know, in relation to him. And a lot of them are just, you know, past guys who have been associated with him who have flamed out of the league as coaches for reasons, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's also Ty Lu, and that's interesting, but I just don't think it's right for the situation. I think that they need someone who is proven, proven as a developmental coach, like you said, but not proven to the degree that he can't take a step back. They need the perfect mix for a LeBron team. My dream is Calipari. Mm. Jeez. <laughs> that would help recruiting. I, that would help their recruiting. That would help their development. Uh, LeBron could still run stuff in game because Cal's not a good in game coach. <laughs> um, but you, seriously, you need he, someone who's going to unite people, but is also like an adult. What do they call you know Cal's I mean? offense? It's basically just shit. Attack from <laughs> attack from the the wings. It's yes, it's motion know. or like dribble drive. I forgot sure. what it was, but it was just like a fancy word for. Just no, attack it's, it's and don't very, shoot threes. It's very difficult. And that's why I think this is sort of an impossible situation for whoever comes in there because you're trying to do those two things at once. And, you know, to win with a LeBron-led team, you have to sort of systemize around him, which is sort of what the Cavs did. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that because the roster is not, you know, some sort of like, veteran type players and sort of uh it's more young guys trying to trying to build up you do have to give them also a a, a an identity of sorts and mm-hmm. a system so those things are constantly going to be clashing so i don't know what the solution i mean the solution here is you trade everybody for it for anthony davis <laughs> yeah, here's, that's, that's that the is caveat, the solution is that like you don't really need a developmental coach when you trade all these guys away right, right. You probably exactly. need you probably need to pick your coach based on who would be best with Anthony Davis than LeBron James? Do you realize that going to happen? Like, well, I think you know. I think we are getting to a point where if Kyrie leaves and the Celtics look at their roster and it's like, do we trade everybody for Davis and then just get left with a year with Davis? There's a lot of risk involved there. I think mm-hmm. there is a non-zero possibility where they don't get in the mix for Davis because it just doesn't make sense long term, and all of a sudden the Lakers package is the best one. I also think Brandon Ingram has played well enough to. I guess get into the Tatum zone. Yeah, he's done of, them a favor. Yeah, yeah. he's he really done them has. a favor. He's been really good. Bobby wants me to point out that um, LeBron does not have any established relationship that we know of with Cal, but he does with Coach K, which you and I were talking about, Justin. Right, yes, because you wrote about this. But on Coach the site. K is not leaving college. Where I think that Cal would is because now the age might change. You know, everything might change right. with the NCAA. One and done might be no more, mm-hmm. which is really like, I'm sorry, dude. That's yeah. that's all he has anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. Whereas Coach K could revert. Right, he's a I, good enough coach. I like the idea of Mike Brown coming back and 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 in his post Warriors sort of uh, era now. Although they did, the Cavs hired Mike Brown right before LeBron left, and we're stuck with Mike Brown and then got rid of him true. pretty quickly. That is I feel like LeBron would respect Mike Brown though, for one. Yeah, and also. Like I said, just sort of being around the Warriors. Not not that they're going to play like the Warriors, but there's something you you must learn through osmosis there that will that should help you with your next job. And um, yeah, I think that would if I had to pick one among the sponge that we listed. I mean, 
Monty Williams is kind of interesting too, but I, I, I just don't know if that's even in the picture. Um, you the, put, list, the list Paul was talking about, yeah, which yeah. we have down, is Jason Monty Kidd. Monty would be great. Ty Loom, Mark Jackson, Mike Brown, Jerry Stackhouse, who played with LeBron uh, briefly in Miami, only seven games. Monty Williams, Earl Watson, who's a clutch like client. Yeah. I love that. Juwan Howard, also a Heat guy. Let's start Jerry Stackhouse is good. But, Jerry Stackhouse, but yeah. he's just like he's yeah. coming up still. From like, like he's, he was, he's an assistant with the Grizzlies now, mm-hmm. and he was with the Raptors G League. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's you know something you want to try to do. I know that Jason Kidd has been kind of. It, it's become almost like a little bit of a joke now. Yeah, but yeah. where just said recently, I saw that someone said he was. They thought he was coming back into the league soon. Oh, I didn't see that. Let me look it up. I, I think he kind of gets a bad rap. I think he had a bad end to his Milwaukee Bucks tenure. But I think leading into that, he was kind of one of the more... He was the young, smart guy in the mix. He made the that Nets team. He went small at a time when people weren't really going small. Uh, he kind of... He encouraged Giannis to like embrace his freakishness. Well, he also let... He recognized that Giannis should be allowed to do his thing. Yeah. For all that the Bucks offense was just a disaster, he was very much like not trying to get in the way of letting him run transition offense mm-hmm. and do what he does best and capitalize off of it. So, and when you have someone who can do something like that, it's it's at least a positive to see that he's not trying to put something around him. With that being said, he also then couldn't do anything with any of his teammates. Yeah. I mean, the sure. thing is, the thing about that is that you look at a coach like Mike Budenholzer who comes in and sort of establishes that system. That's a system made for the modern NBA. Mm-hmm. And that Jason Kidd couldn't do that or, or didn't even think about doing that. It's an indictment, I too. think, in terms of like how he wants to figure out the Lakers. I mean, they're just, they're just such a confusing team, obviously, because we don't know what they're going to look like in a year, but also because they just have so many conflicting things right now about like styl- stylistically that... I don't even know how you would go about coaching them. Like, I don't like. What is? How do you do that? Would you trade a first for Pop? Oh God! <laughs> I would trade anything for Pop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he used to be at Pomona, which is in the area. Pop? Yeah, Pomona is not in Pomona, the area. Pomona College is it's like far. Away. It's well compared to like San Antonio. Okay, sure. But like he could like dr- reach. He, he could take like a weekend trip to go like <laughs> sip some wines with his former assistants or something like that. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Local connection. We do it all the time with like Kawhi and some of these free agents. Sure. Like Yeah, Kawhi like buys a house in San Diego and we're like, yeah. "He bought a house in <laughs> right, which is Southern California." Several hours away. Uh, to be I, honest, that commute is like still shorter than Palos. Touche. That's true. All right, that's enough about talking about the Lakers. Uh, We're going to get into some other teams in the second half of the show, just kind of teams that are kind of making some noise coming down the stretch here. But first, I want to talk about tonight's games. Uh, It's a really interesting slate. There's only two games tonight. It's starting off with the Pacers and the Bucks on TNT at 5 p.m. Pacific. It's a really interesting one just because. I've been fascinated by the Milwaukee Bucks here. Uh, I, I think that they've proven, despite all of our kind of concerns and criticisms, that they are legit. Uh, and I, I wonder if we're going to look back on the situation and they're going to be kind of a sleeping giant, sort of like the Warriors were before they took off. Uh, and then the Pacers, they've slowly kind of and quietly kept hold of that three seed, even though the the Sixers kind of loaded up at the deadline and, and the Celtics obviously have all this talent. So I think it's a really interesting clash uh, of two teams kind of differently constructed, but interesting in their own ways. So, and that's tonight at 5 p.m. Pacific on TNT. We're going to make that our watch of the night. 
And remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or your local cable or satellite provider. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Jesus and Marrow, the all-new weekly late-night talk show that's available now on Showtime. Tune in to watch the Bronx's own Jesus Nice and the Kid Marrow bring their illustrious take on current events, politics, sports, and pop culture, all while talking spicy with the week's hottest celebrity guests. Quick-witted and fun, the duo will riff off the cuff and get the Twitter sphere buzzing. New episodes of Jesus and Marrow drop every Thursday at 11 p.m. only on Showtime. All right, we're back. We're going to talk about some other teams that aren't the Lakers for once. Uh, There's this kind of shtick on the Orlando Magic broadcast that myself and Danny Chow, my my office mate, like to uh, like to kind of talk about, and it's called "Is this anything?" (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And it's basically they put something up there and they just talk about it, and that's it. (laughs) Uh, Can we get a clear decision at the end? Is it like yes or no? Is this anything? Or, or, is it, or is it more of We don't have to be that. that concrete. Okay, all right. I want to explore sure. all the like, different permutations. Is this <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shop blocking. Is this anything? Yeah. Uh, but no, you guys have been in writing about a lot of the other non-LeBron teams, so I feel like this is a good opportunity to kind of get a glimpse of where the league is as we reach this final stretch. Uh, the big one, probably, is probably the Warriors. have hit a little bit of a skid here. Uh, they've lost three of the past four. DeMarcus Cousins, believe it or not, does not look good on defense. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Is this anything? <laughs> <Is this any>? <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're just taking the bit. All right. Um, no, of course it's not anything because they're gonna win the title. Okay, can I stop you right there? Wow, you were ready for this? <laughs> no, because I, I've been. This has been percolating for me. I think that I'm a little fatigued with Warriors fatalism. This sure. idea that like I mean I am too something am- can't get in their way. Just in the last conference semifinals, they had to go to a game seven with one of the best rosters in history. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I do think that we are not thinking about the possibility enough of like this is how the end of the the, the beginning of the end happens, you know, mm-hmm. with with like adding the Marcus and being like, oh, we're like five all stars now. And, and we're and not being- thinking about that enough. What I'm saying is that we're maybe not giving enough thought to that possibility of that. Yeah. Like, I'm agreeing with Justin. Like, right, I, I do, like, inevitable. personally, if you ask me, like, to, like, bet money on it or whatever, like, I would say, like, yeah, the Warriors are going to win the title. But, yeah, I mean... Powell's saying that we all die. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to do it. It will soon be over. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's just a lot of weird things happening with, with like, the way that it feels to watch a Warriors game now too, which is like sometimes you, at least lately, like they just seem a little disinterested, which just feels normal. But I think in the context of the way the season was sort of sold to us, if you will, was like, oh, but he's going to come back and they're going to be energized and they're going to just rip through the second half of the season. Yeah. It hasn't really happened. And to that point, uh, Anthony Slater had a piece that went up after that Celtics uh, loss. And Anthony Slater works for The Athletic. I think he's one of the best beat writers in the country. And it was basically like, he he was pointing out that Steph said something like, we should kind of be better than this now. This is the point of the season where we should really be engaged and start showing like incline and, and defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. And his point was basically Steph doesn't really say things just to say them. And I think that's yeah. really important. Whereas like that's kind of been different with Steve Kerr, who has dropped certain words 
and <laughs> uh, booths to the media before yeah, with very sure. clear purposes. Mm-hmm. And you guys know I went to Louisville. Rick Pitino used to do this all the time. There's just certain coaches who will say things to the media on purpose so your players will hear them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas and and so Kerr is one of those coaches that came up very recently after the Celtics loss. Um, when a reporter asked Kevin Durant about their anger or lack of anger. And Kevin Durant was just, I'm so over him. He was, yes, he was very prickly. And we should probably point out that the person who asked that was Ethan Sherwood Strauss, who Kevin Durant went at in full force a couple weeks ago because Ethan's writing a book. And Ethan wrote a story that was kind of hinting at how Durant is is kind of checked out because there might already be like this groundwork. To where people assume he's going to New York. Right. And then it's like, of course, the way to show people you're not checked out is to be super grumpy about what your coach <laughs> right. is saying. Right. I, what, I don't remember the exact just, yeah. question that he asked, but Durant's answer was, I thought we move off of joy. Now anger, I disagree with that one. Yeah. Saying he disagrees with what Kerr was saying about what they were missing or... Right. Think, well, I, the, th- the thing is, is like, I think Kerr was talking about specifically about playing with anger on defense. And then the way... the the way Durant took the question was more like, oh, wait, I thought you wanted us, I thought we were supposed to play with joy, but now we want to play with right. anger. So it was like, how do those things come right. out? Which is like a very, like, like a needlessly petty kind of right. sort of it response. It doesn't matter what, that's why, like, it doesn't even matter what the quote was, what the word was, what Kerr was saying about if they need joy or if they need anger or what they need. Because if you're saying that they need some emotion, at the end of the day, you're saying that we're not playing with enough. Yeah, yeah which is very clear when you watch them as of late. Right. And so your response is to publicly have attitude with what your coach is saying and then be upset with the media when they're implying that there's some kind of discord or that you've checked out. Yeah. I think if you watch the video of it, it does seem like Durant is only just trying to dunk on Ethan, <laughs> which I, I love Ethan. I think he's great at what he does, but like it just very clearly seems like there's a, a some sure. discord there that's coloring a lot of what's going on. I think it's really funny that recently it's been so much of Durant and Kyrie being so pissed about everyone talking about where they are going that they're just only drawing more attention to themselves. Yeah. It's kind of, have you guys ever seen that episode of The Office when Aaron and Andy start dating and they don't want anyone to know and they go to like a happy hour or something and they keep yelling about it being private and they start like making out with other people so nobody knows that they're dating but nobody's (laughs) checking on them dating. That's exactly what this is with their Nick's free agency (laughs) rumors. Right, exactly. I mean, it's such a good point because they don't have to be this public leaning into this right they're, they're by trying to lean away from it they're almost they're leaning into it more it's it's so weird because like they could just be like well i'm focused about our season here and like tonight's game or whatever blah, 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 and that's all i'm going to talk about and it's like okay and then like and then the, and then what happens is that it doesn't build up to be to get to a point where we look at them interacting after a game and sort of like all read into it mm-hmm. like you know what i'm saying this is not a one-off kind of thing it's like this has been building up because of the way they have treated the situation right. yeah I, and just speaking about like the remainder of the season into the playoffs I would argue that DeMarcus Cousins in particular should not play with any emotion like less emotion <laughs> that he has been playing with sure. because he just gets mad at guys and it completely derails the situation and I think this is what we were worried about going into this whole Cousins experiment. It went really well from the start. Cousins played like the all-star self, especially on offense. Uh, it just looked like they were going to be unbeatable as soon as he got back. But now all of a sudden, you're starting to see all the complications that come along with Cousins. 
He's picking up the technicals. He's arguing with people. He's shoving people. And on defense, it seems like it's really derailing there. Draymond stood up for him and was basically like, it's not a Cousins issue. It's an all of us issue. And I think there is some truth to that. But I think there are specific things that they need to do in order to cover for Cousins that I don't think you want to be doing at this point in the season. To Steph's point, you should be coming, you should be like, finding nuance and, and just really crossing the T's and dotting the I's. You shouldn't be trying right. to just work a guy into what you do. You maybe shouldn't have the need to sign Andrew Rogan. <laughs> exactly. You yes. shouldn't. Well, I think that the solution to not letting Cousins, you know, the the off the court attitude, like whatever those kind of thing issues affect the team is not needing him as much. Mm-hmm. But they just signed Bogut. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're obviously like he shouldn't be that important to your team. Because mm-hmm. then that does play into it. Yeah, Bogut was in Australia. The, <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden... Season's over. Yeah, yeah, season's over. All of a sudden you have uh, Draymond, who at certain times has been unhappy with the team this season. Durant, who at certain times has been unhappy with the team this season. Whatever is going on with Boogie. Clay, who uh, is a free like agent this summer. Yeah. <laughs> like dogs. Yeah, yeah just chilling. And then you have Steph, who's like, mm, I think that we should probably... Do a little examination on what's going on here. Yeah, Steph's, I guess, the adult in the room Yeah, is the way that could be read. I don't know. I I think, obviously, there's a lot of good there. But I think there are certain things that you you do, like you pull the thread a little bit and all of a sudden yeah. it doesn't look as solid For sure. as it should be. I think that the main concern I had with the cousin sign to begin with is it does feel like they're one injury away from being like a little too close to the edge. We saw that last postseason where... Iguodala doesn't seem right at times. Steph obviously has a tendency to get little dings. And you just don't have the wing depth yeah. that you probably should have. And now you're looking at a Jacob Evans or or some of these other guys that would need to step up. And it's just like, that's not the position you want to be in. That's always been their trade-off. Yeah. yeah. And it will be that way until this dynasty ends. Well, because yeah, they it, simply can't afford it is interesting to have depth with how, the, the um, stars that they've signed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as the dynasty has gone along, that that seems to be getting worse because like now we have to pay guys and, and whatnot but also just like it's it's sort of hard harder to fit fit guys in especially on a short timeline like with Bo- like how they're going to try to do with Bogut but yeah I mean like yeah what kind of minutes do we seriously see Bogut getting no I mean he's Bogut, like 15, 10 yeah 15, I mean they were looking at Robin yeah. Lopez too before and but right. he never got bought out so I do think they need like a big to, to toss in there but it does feel like they're so wrong for that <laughs> yeah. they're so wrong no I that. respect it you respect it? Bulls have been feisty said, lately. Look, if Robin was like, I want to get out and like, please, like, like, he hasn't said that though. I don't believe. I know. I, well, has he? It, has he? It, Before the trade deadline. Agent was trying. Yeah, yeah. His agent was trying. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. He probably want, would like to play for the Warriors. He took less minutes yeah, yeah. for them as they were trying to figure out their young I mean, players. I respect not getting the buyout though because I always see guys like taking a pay cut in order to go chase money. I'm yeah, like, I think all like, yeah, like two million on the table. I'm not, I'm not doing $2 that. Million. Like the Spurs are like a perfectly fine team. You're gonna go like one round deeper in the playoffs. Is I that think really that, that was a mutual. Wow, player. some shade. This some was, inadvertent was, shade at the Bucks right there. I've seen a lot of things, and I I wonder why more people aren't talking about that being something that actually helped the Spurs too. Oh, that they just don't have to pretend to give minutes to Powell. Yeah. Well, now they also have two and a half million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more minutes for Jakob, uh, a guy. <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, let's talk about the team on the other end of that Warriors loss to the Celtics. Uh, it seems like things are a little bit better 
<laughs> they seem better, especially when Kyrie sits like he did uh, the other night against this. Right, Kings. which is like, is it better? Because my guy's going to come back. And then well, is this go. anything? I mean, is this, is this anything? anything? <laughs> but specifically, I want to talk about Gordon Hayward. Wait, let's let's all go through and say if we think the Warriors struggling with anything. I'm going to say no. I'd say yes. I would say no. Okay. Because I believe that we should uh, we should focus on the negatives constantly. Uh, <laughs> Gordon Hayward. So on brand. Is he back? <laughs> uh... He's, he's been back fine enough to where he's like not terrible. How's so, that? Are we just gonna act like he almost didn't throw the game last night? <laughs> yeah, that, by fouling Buddy. Right. So he fouled Buddy Healed for three, which God, put them in a really bad love situation. Buddy Healed. He makes all three. Uh-huh. Just amazing. <laughs> just amazing. <laughs> he hit the game winner. Yes. Then on the other end, Gordon Hayward, I think, brought it down the length of the court and hit a fall away yeah. for mm-hmm. the go ahead mm-hmm. bucket. This is good because it's great, like confidence yeah, building. Game. You know it what I'm is. saying? Yeah. Like that's all. It, it's not really about. I, personally, I think the Celtics are like, um, of like the like them being the fourth or fifth seed in the East, third, fourth, or fifth seed. It is like the exact kind of team they should be. There's way too much like, you know, sort of like fluctuation to think about them as like a top two team in the East. But I think that if they're in that three to five range, that's who they should be. But so you're saying that they should lean into the nobody believes in us sort no. of thing that, that spurred them last year. I, I don't even want to say that. I'm just saying like, we should, we need to stop like projecting them as like the team we thought they would be before the season. I see. Like this is just who they are. So let's focus on now, which is, hey, we're gaining confidence and then, then maybe being a factor in the playoffs. Yeah. I think, well, so last night when he was doing the post-game interview, I asked the question in Slack, like, how many, when's the last time you did a post-game interview? And I don't know what happened after the Warriors win. So kind of the uh, the, the on-camera but walk-off that, interview? That yeah. is very much, a, like, that. even those little things are confidence boosters. Mm-hmm. You know, they are picking you as the player of the game, player that won the game. And the more those things start to happen to him again, I think also will play into him getting his confidence back. But I just think there's, like, such an obvious ceiling on it. Yeah, it does seem like at times that he's hesitant, and I guess I would be too if like you had that, yeah. that pretty tragic fall. And I wonder if he's just he's hesitant toward contact or what it is specifically. He's also, as I wrote in our outline, yeah. a bit of a thick boy now, like looking so, uh, looking a little too hefty. And I wonder if it's the type of thing where he worked too much, he worked out too much, got too big. And it and got almost seems swole. got too swole <laughs> and almost doesn't like isn't as fluid of an athlete as a result. There are a couple of thick uh, boys on the Celtics. Yeah. Marcus Smart. Well, I yeah, mean thick definitely, team. Definitely, yeah, thick team. Thick team. Sure. I guess like in Boston, like what are you gonna do in, in the winter? Just working out climb and chowder, eating, maybe. eating clam working chowder. out in sweatshirt cutoffs, <laughs> headbands. That's what my life was like in New England. There you go. Eating clam chowder. So much clam chowder. <laughs> I don't really know anything. I'm out of clam chowder. Yeah. I don't know um, else a lot of Chipotle. Yeah. Well, you know, Connecticut only has so many things. I mean, granted, these are professional <laughs> athletes who probably have chefs. I don't know if I don't know if I totally get what you're saying in terms of like he worked out too much and then Well, I think he's carrying too much weight and like I think it's starting to enough. Yeah, he's it's starting enough. to affect his performance. You know, I'm really not sure. I can't differentiate between if that's what makes him look restrictive or if he's actually just kind of a hesitant guy now mm-hmm. on the court. I think it's a lot. But there is, I mean it is there's definitely a difference. But um I'm not sure so much if it 
he just doesn't he doesn't seem as light, but he also doesn't seem as aggressive, which kind of makes him seem he, a little bit heavier. Yeah, he lacks the explosiveness he's had sort of built for himself at U, in, in Utah. You it's know what I'm saying? Explosiveness, and you're also like, but are you just timid? Well, I, I think it's a combination of being timid and then being like maybe like fully physically like there. Right. Even you know? that, I mean, strength wise, those, just strength wise, because he's healthy, improved. but just strength wise, you know, I think, and, and I think that's maybe where sort of the thickness come in that he's like, he looks a little softer because he's just like, kind of this like this, this, this person who like lacks confidence and doesn't have that strength. So. I think I'm sp- speaking specifically of going into the season. He had this interview where he did that documentary. You remember this? Like it was like a multi-part documentary with I believe the athletic, and he was basically like, "I'm nef- not going to be the same player." And he says, "I'm going to be a different player," and I think part of that he admitted like he put on some weight. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just he looks different in green too. There's also that possibility. Sure. Might be the eyes playing tricks on you, but I don't know. I I think I guess the overall point is well, <laughs> other than the fact that I just wanted to use the word thick a bunch of times, uh, he's kind of the inflection point with them. He he does seem like he is. Uh, he's either going to take them farther than we assume they're going to go at this point, or he might potentially drag them down. And- it's been very, yeah, but that's very much Brad Stevens' decision to make him a potential X factor. You know what I mean? He's still put that on him. It's kind of what we said all season. Like, he had a chance to pick certain guys who it seemed to be working for, and he still kind of decided to experiment with everyone. So now, yeah, yeah he is. Sure. He he could be their X factor. I just wouldn't. Yeah, I, w- I this kind of goes like back to your, on him. your Ben Simmons thing, where you just don't want people to experiment during the regular season. <laughs> God, we did not need to get into that again. <laughs> Still don't understand the take, by the way. Oh, I just realized what you're talking about. Great. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it after. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but I guess in a first round series with the Sixers, no. No? No, no, I, I no would, bueno? I would lean Sixers as if only for the talent. They have more talent. I think top to, top end talent. So we're basically saying that the Celtics are a first round out? I'm saying we should uh, not like be closed-minded to that possibility. Open your mind. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Let's, let's move on here. Um, Haley, you wrote about the Mavericks last night. Yes. And how close they're getting to the edge of of just tanking infamy right now. Yeah. Yes, which is so interesting. So right now, after a loss to the Wizards, the Mavericks have the seventh worst. So let's say that they're in the seventh lottery spot, seventh worst record. So in the sixth spot is the Grizzlies, who just beat the Mavericks. And also, they have to play twice again. They play the their third to last game and their fourth to last game. Mm-hmm. Um, are both against the Grizzlies. So if the Mavericks can move into that spot and kick them out, they move up to having a 29.4% chance of landing a top four pick. Pretty good. Which means that they keep their pick that they traded to Atlanta over the summer that was top five protected as part of the deal that got Luka Doncic, which would be insane. Mm-hmm. That would be... So then they would also have to give... Instead, it's not like then they would just get the pick. They would give Atlanta their 2020 first round pick, but that's also top five protected. So it's just kind of interesting. The best part of this all to me is that last year, Mark Cuban was the most open owner about tanking. 
he said on a podcast that they were tanking and that he told members of the team why it was best for the team, Mm -hmm. which is something that a line that we usually don't think gets crossed, right? We always assume that it is ownership and the front office making decisions that will, you know, directly affect how well the roster can play and how the, how it can perform. But we never think that an owner is telling coaches to throw a game or why it's best that they sit. The assumption is always that it, it doesn't trickle into the locker room. Right. Because that's not how these guys who have made their careers being competitive operate. So anyway, last year he got in trouble for saying that he was tanking, that they, that that was his mission on to do- purpose. To, to Dr. J, I believe. To Dr. Wow. J on Dr. J's <laughs> that's podcast. Right there. Yeah, it's an important it's detail. <laughs> and then, and that's part Damn of, dear. I mean, that's not Cuban directly, but Owners with Cubans' mindset are why the NBA knew for a long time it had to reform the lottery. And so it did last year. And it flattened the odds out. And so it said, look, you can lose all you want, but even if you lose the most in the league, there are no guarantees anymore, Mm -hmm, right? Or there are less guarantees of certain spots. Okay. And now because of those flattened odds, the Mavericks, who are not the the worst record or the second worst record or the third worst record have a chance of keeping their pick in what was probably the best draft night trade. I see what you're saying, but like if they get their pick back, then that is it's a huge win. No. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I don't. So they have to get into the top five. Dallas is now tied for the seventh worst record, right? Giving the team a 29.4% chance of landing a top four pick. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if it bumps Memphis, then the odds of keeping its pick go to 37.2%. That's almost 40%. Yeah. No, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. For a team that has such a bright future ahead of them, that's insane. That echoes like what we were talking about with Boston last year. Right. Now, I think, I mean, I think the larger point that's kind of interesting to me about the flat odds, and I think Daryl Morey talked about this on Zach Lowe's podcast, was just like, that is kind of at least eliminated like the hardcore tanking of like... Except for the Knicks. Except for the Knicks. But trying to get to that... Like between those two, three, th- those three teams that are there, um, Knicks, Suns, Suns. and Cavs, it, it it really doesn't matter, right? What order they're in, they're going to have the same uh, odds. So it, at least on that sense, it's it. I think it's like worked in a weird way. Where yeah, where, there's where, the, there seems to be this like momentum that like the worst teams aren't as bad, even though the records are are still pretty bad. I would push back on that slightly, just because the Cavs have clearly just jettisoned every useful thing except for Kevin Love, yeah. who was hurt, and they couldn't even do that. Right. Uh, the Knicks have completely bottomed out, and the Suns, whether or not it was conscious or not, have just been completely incompetent. Right. Well, to be clear, this is like sort of like a. A band aid. It's you know what I'm saying. It's not really like I don't. I don't. I personally, I don't feel like it's like a long term. I think solution. it's going to take us a couple of years to see how it plays out with the teams in the middle, like the Mavericks, yeah, um, and the Grizzlies, who it you know seem to just. I don't know if you want to say decide earlier. Well, yeah, we can say that because they traded Marcus All earlier. That it was in their best. You know, they weren't going to push for it anymore. Right. So it depends. Like now, are teams going to make that decision earlier? teams that maybe wouldn't have had the incentive to lose so hard before. Yeah, I think it's one of the the criticisms of the new system when it first came out was that maybe it chilled tanking in the very lowest parts, which if we're being completely honest, is probably all the NBA wants to avoid, the black eye of teams just like winning 10 games a season, for instance. Right. Uh, but what seems to be happening is it just moved the tankers up a level. 
So yeah, now you have yeah. a team like the Mavs trying to get into that four, whereas otherwise, I don't know if they would try to run for like for try sure. to push for the playoffs. But at the very least, maybe they wouldn't be trying to bottom out. Right? There be will clear, always be a big. I do benefit. not think that the Mavs are tanking. Yeah, I mean they're still trying. But to now I think there. they definitely should. I right. think it was implicit in the move they made for Kristaps. I think it was it was baked into that. It's like yeah. if I you're going to give Kristaps and not play him. You're not going to win games. There's kind yeah. of an acceptance that, like, we're just going to do this next year. Yes, which is, yes. I mean, that's kind of interesting because that's also the line is, you know, when it isn't up to your players and your coaches, and it's kind of the front office decisions. What is tanking and what is just saying this isn't our year? Mm-hmm. You know, the line kind of fizzles. But yeah. I don't think that the Mavs are traditional hardcore Hawks tanking. You know, but I think that now they definitely should. That would be the the most remarkable uh, full circle moment if they got this draft pick. Because, yeah. I mean, a top five draft pick in a trade that brought you Luka Doncic. Yeah. I do wonder down the stretch if we'll start to see teams who just aren't going to make the playoffs. A team like Washington. Let's see how hard they tank or how hard they put their foot on the gas in terms of like just I mean Washington games. is really interesting because they are the place right behind um Dallas, right? Yeah. But they are still making a push for the playoffs and very much could make it in the East. It's still possible. It's they're, still what, possible. 3 games back, I think that they're two spots back, 3 games back. 3 games, yep. So that's kind of fascinating. Like you're just you're closer to everything. It's just not they aren't such polar opposites anymore. Yeah. Well, I did say before that perhaps tanking it just moved up a level. It does seem like a lot of the teams in that mix are still either going for it or remaining competitive. Even the Hawks have shown a lot. I'd be interested to see how it affects pick protections in trades going forward if the Mavs can hang on to this. Uh, That's interesting. Like maybe just top three instead of top five. Well, it just make you, yeah, it would totally make you rethink things. Yeah, because there are a lot more teams, like you said, kind of still weirdly in that playoff mix. Not a lot if we're being like honest with ourselves, but like you said, teams that are competitive still. Yeah. So before we go, I guess we have to answer the question. Is this anything? Yes. It's a thing. Yes. For future implications for the Mavs and the league and the system and the reform. And just Cuban getting the last laugh, which is (laughs) so funny. I think it's not a thing, but I don't think they're going to keep it. I don't think they're going to get the pick. Yeah, if we're talking about will they actually keep the pick, I think it's... Yeah. I think the odds are against them. But I think it's the right move. It's the I don't think decision. that they'll yeah. get both of those games against Luka. the Grizzlies, and that's kind of crucial. There you go. Sit Luca. <laughs> still get Luca. Still get KP. Have thirty million in cast space this no, summer. Sit Luca is what I'm saying. Sit, oh, sit Luca. Sit Kleber. He's the guy yeah, there. Yeah, Maxi Kleber. <laughs> Too many dunks. Dwight Powell. Dirk's. Don't let Dwight Powell shoot any more threes. You know? <laughs> Dirk had this quote where he's like, "My kid really likes like Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell because they dunk a lot." <laughs> <laughs> it's wow. like, yeah, it's really come to. Come to Facebook. Yeah, love dunks. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, For Haley, for Paolo, for Bobby, and for me. We will see you next week. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.